Welcome to I Change the Narrative, a podcast for and about Black men inspiring, supporting, and empowering Black men and Black boys. Today's topic is rebuilding and reimagining the Black man's brand. Before we get started in the conversation, I want to ask our guest to briefly tell us about yourself and the work that you're involved in that lends itself to the topic or the lived experience. Starting with Marcus Magwood. Oh, yes. How you doing? My name is uh, Marcus Magwood. Uh, I'm a graduate of John Jay College in New York. I uh, work for CFPB, which is the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, uh, the first bureau started by Obama. Uh, I like working there because um, we actually do things to help people. Uh, quick story. I was in an Uber and the guy said that... Uh, we actually helped him in a case that uh, he was losing money. And that made me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, rebranding and black men, I've also taught in uh, DC public schools. Okay. Um, I was a counselor in uh, New York at uh, Lincoln Hall, which was uh, enlightening. So uh, thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome, Sinclair. Oh, okay, yeah, hey. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Sinclair Skinner. Uh, I'm an engineer. Uh, I went to uh, Tuskegee and uh, Howard University, and uh, I'm currently a co-founder of a startup uh, called I Love Black People, and our our mission is to make uh, racism and xenophobia uh, obsolete by 2030. So our our focus is literally on building a network of safe places much like the Green Book. And a lot of people misunderstand the Green Book and think it was about uh, uh, turning over the black dollar. It, it was not about that. Most of the business in many instances were non-black, but the focus was making sure black folks didn't get murdered, lynched, humiliated, those type of things that still happen uh, decades later. So our focus is to leverage technology to do some things that uh, oftentimes aren't done in the other areas so that we can be effective, our families and our community. So just thank you for being on here and just being with some good brothers. I, I probably do a lot of listening and taking so that I can take it to my team and, and, and make people more, uh, make us more effective. So thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, you're up. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm a black man living in America. Yes. I'm a husband, a father. Uh, I'm running for the United States Senate based out of Florida looking to retire Marco Rubio. Mm. And uh, I'm here because I'm very interested in how we can uh, better understand what we need to do to be all that we can be in this society, to not only uh, live up to the dream of Dr. King, but also to set a new course uh, and and basically empower those coming from behind us. So uh, I'm just happy to be here amongst these uh, these gentlemen to discuss this issue of branding of the black man. Thank you. Welcome. Glenn. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Glenn James. I am the uh, co-owner of Jam Fan Productions. Um, what we do is we actually write media content and plays and 
stories around people and the lives of people, but we specialize in those people, my people, African-Americans, um, with the goal being is just to tell the everyday stories, the everyday narratives, um, and give people a different side that people are people are people. How we look, how we're dressed up might not be as different as you might think. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Welcome. Dr. JT. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Am I on mute? Can y'all hear me okay? We can hear you. Yes. <laughs> well, God bless you. God bless you, Dr. Nika. I'm just blessed to be here. My name is Dr. John C. Turner, aka The Professor JT. You can always find me at theprofessorjt.com. I love doing work with educators and students all over the nation to help students and educators reach their goals, whatever it may be in education. So I'm just hyped to blessed to be on right now. Let's have some fun today. Let's do this. Yes, thank you. Welcome. So glad to have you all on the show. And we thank you for being invested in the cause. This particular topic is all about motivating, divorcing a negative state of mind, unlearning bad habits and obstacles to the black man's success and becoming a giant that empowers black men. That means tearing down old concepts and building a new nation. And that new nation is the self, you all. Um, it's about rebirthing, rebuilding and reimagining, re-imaging how the black man is viewed and also um, what you as black men also project. So I wanted to get started with the idea of branding because I, some people do not understand what branding means. So if you, any of you would wanna start off with um, that idea as far as what branding is, and then we're going to um, bring that idea of branding into the black man. I would, I would like to go with that. Um, you, as you know, we had a company together, a PR yes. marketing firm that specialized in branding yes. of uh, celebrity talent. Uh, the idea of branding really has to do with systematically disseminating messages that create whatever reality, reality you want uh, for the public to perceive. Uh, so whenever you hear Trump talk about uh, Ted Cruz being Lion Ted, the more he says Lion Ted, people start to believe that every time he opens his mouth, he must be lying. So okay. Brandon is a very powerful messaging uh, tool, and those messages can come in the form of uh, verbal content, written content, as well as emblems or logos, whatever it is that you want people to remember uh, systematically disseminating that particular uh, information. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Alan, can I actually ask you a question? Um, and this is just for my um, insight. What is the difference between branding and propaganda? Proper, propaganda usually has to do with the dissemination of false information for the purpose right. of, of changing the perception of people uh, like what they did in Germany of old and, and England of old, uh, kind of like what's going on right now with um, the messaging of uh, these seditionists that are really being patriotic in their actions when, re when the reality is uh, they're doing something that's treasonous uh, to the government. 
So we have propaganda going on right now. Fox News engages in a lot of propaganda. I actually talked about that this morning, that we can no longer allow uh, media outlets like Fox News to continue to portray us who we're not. Uh, We have a responsibility to be uh, vigilant and controlled our own narrative, our own messaging, our own branding. Even Malcolm X said, he who controls the media controls the people. So if we sit back and allow others to dictate to the world of who we are, then we will forever be behind. So we have to tell our own story. Mm-hmm. But I think on Marcus's piece, I think it's all propaganda. I think uh, we, we think it's Fox. We, we missed it. These corporations control everything. And they're, they're really are using us to to add to an entertaining thing that they are getting more viewers and more money. And the narrative of the black man is literally being, has been maligned by every media outlet that, you know, again, on purpose to vilify us for, and then they'll, they'll make it real weird. Like when, when white men storm the Capitol, they'll make that seem like that's outrageous behavior for white folks. But we know white folks been they do that every day. Look, we yeah. clearly that they, but CNN will make you like they're shocked. Well, how could it? And they had that one brother crying about it. Like, literally, they've been killing us ever since we got here and everybody else. And somehow the savagery of Europeans is somehow an exception. Like, oh, Hitler. No, Hitler was just doing what they were doing already for hundreds of years all over the world. It just came home to roost, unfortunately, in a very wicked way. But literally, they were killing people and committing genocide in Africa, Asia, and all the Americas consistently for 500 years. The act of Europeans not killing people would be the exception. Not trying to destroy and confiscate would be ahistorical and not us continuing to hope that they change. They've literally consistently showed us who, who they are and what they think of us. We're the ones who kind of, every moment that we, we get right there, we reconstruction, we know who they are. We hope they do something different, they don't. Civil rights, we, we do get them right there, and we hope they do something different. Mass incarceration, we're right here now, and we they literally are consistently showing who we are, who they are, and we think Biden is going to do something different. Like it's every time right. they get shot up. Anyway, I digress. And see, that was that was the point. You guys both touched on what I wanted to talk about in terms of my issue with the word branding. Mm-hmm. Branding is about marketing. So if you're going to rebrand the black man, that that can't happen if, one, we do not accept that we are all different. We we all have different walks of life, just like when I asked Alan the question, um, his response versus Sinclair's response, and I agree with both of them. Um, We have to sit down and talk to each other and not look to the media, Facebook, and all these uh, self-glorifying social avenues to make us feel like men or to say, hey, I'm not a man unless I'm driving a Bentley or have a big old chain or, or you know, a white woman. And it's not even about race when you really think about it, because there are poor whites. There are a lot of poor whites. And I don't even like using the term black and white, mm-hmm. you know? Um, that's why when, you know, when I address Sinclair as sir, my whole life, <laughs> I've been working and I've been calling people, sir. Why can't I call him, sir? You know, for us to rebrand, we have to retrain our minds. We have to look at each other 
as as individual kings and, and give each other that same respect that we want to have. I, I don't disagree with you at all, Marcus. I think the other piece about branding is that really what branding is, is a shortcut. It's a conjunction. It is something that someone without knowing the depth of you can read the cliff notes. Right. And that can go both ways. The difference in my mind between propaganda and branding is really what you perceive the message to become to be. So at the end of the day, just as important as what you're saying is really is about who's listening. So to me, I'm much more than just a black man. Right. I'm a man first. I'm a, I'm a man. I'm American. I'm many things. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a Christian. There's lots of things that I am. So if we want to talk about branding, the first thing that I really believe that we need to do is understand that we're not just a conjunction. We're not just black men. Men, we're many things. And the first, it, until we allow ourselves to understand that and not let people put us into different groups of Republican or Democrat or independent or this or that, so that then they can determine how we're gonna vote, how we're gonna move and how we're gonna act. Once we stop doing that, then we start taking off the label of branding. No other race allows themselves to be branded except for us. Right. So it's not, it's not just the message, it's who's listening. And the last thing I'll say about it is when you see a cartoon with a caricature, you don't take that as a literal representation of the person that is being drawn. You realize it's a caricature and you take it for what it is. It's comedy, it's whatever. Often when we see images of people in the media, black, white, or indifferent, we have to start be be believing that that is not black people. That's a caricature. And how do I know? Because this is who I am. And who I am is what I do, it's what I stand for. It's not just how I vote. It's not just what I say. It's not just my economic power. It's all of those things. Well, well back to what Sinclair said about the vote. I, I feel like the vote is irrelevant. Biden cannot change something that has been in motion for centuries. And and no offense, you're crazy to think that it's going to change. This is about money. Hmm. Yeah. I think the point you're making is true. I think uh, what people and what we've seen, though, historically, is at every junction, where we either decide to go to self-determination or try to make you know, a, another path that allows us to work together as Americans, we get duped into something that ends up marginalizes. I think even the conversation about, am I a husband or am I a, a black man? I, I'm clear that race is fiction. We're literally all the same in that regard. And we're literally all different you're even different from our brothers and sisters. But that, that conversation is probably more academic than useful. The reality is racism is real. So as fictional as race is, racism will kill you. Racism would allow somebody to blow your head off while you're videotaping and saying, please don't shoot me. That's racism is super real. So we can have an esoteric or academic conversation of how I feel about who I am and what I want you to see but we're literally living in a space called white supremacist ideology where there's a consequence that not because we want it to be this way, but they're, they're they're, we're operating in a power structure where certain people 
not because of anything they're doing, not because of real science, or have access and other folks are being denied systemically, globally. You can go to Africa. I've been over 60 countries. Consistently, there's like a black tax on people that look like us. Now, again, I don't want that because I'm literally the sovereignty of the individual is important to me. I'm me. But when I walk into these places, there are real consequences and I that are that that impact me, my family, and the people I love. So either I, as a man, can say, I'm not going to let you harm my people, and I can claim those people to be anybody, or I can say, look, those people that look like me, of African descent, that have been for 500 years brutalized, raped, I'm not going to let that happen in my life. I'm going to do something to stop it. If those people call themselves Moors, Akabulan patriots, if they call them ADO, whatever they call themselves, I'm clear. If you look like me, there's a certain thing they're gonna do to you when you're out here on the street. We have we owe ourselves to do something to acknowledge that, not to agree, not to like it, but to make sure that we're not being harmed by it. So again, whatever we brand ourselves, and I don't mean to brand like they did with enslaved Africans, but where we brand ourselves, just just know I'm talking about functional ways that we can protect. Our, our sovereignty, our individuality, because collectively, white supremacy is killing black people. This is genocide, full stop. I wish it was people of color. It's literally, you go to so-called Latino communities, the black folks are treated horribly. You go anywhere, there's a system that allows, white supremacy even works even better with non-whites, because they're all trying to what? Win the prize of white supremacy. So literally, you go to Africa, the only xenophobia you get is black people killing black folks. White folks don't get killed. Indians don't get killed. The only people that can be murdered and no one come and save nobody is people that look like you. Now, again, we don't have to call it black. We can call ourselves Akabulans. There's a group of folks with hair that defies gravity that got full lips and look like this, and they whooping the hell out of us. That's my question. Wow. Thank you, Sinclair. Professor JP, did you want to add? I'm just taking it all in right now. They, these guys is on fire. So I hope y'all can hear me okay. Sorry if my signal's a little bit lagging. That's okay. um, only, only thing I want to add is when it comes to Black people, especially Black males and branding, one word comes to mind that's ownership. Yeah. We just gave Clubhouse app a billion dollars. Yes. We're giving our ideas away for free. I would not have a problem with it if we make sure our ideas and our namesake, as one of the brothers was talking about, we own that. I love how my brand, I make sure I have my LLC. I make sure I own the trademark to my own hashtag, the Professor JT. These are things we need to make sure black people are doing because as the other brother was saying, for years, they took our ideas as their own. We know who made the stoplight, the refrigerator. They just now giving the black man who created Jack Daniels his actual love because we know who made that whiskey. It was a black man. And so we need to make sure we start owning our materials because they will take everything that we throw at them and profit off of them themselves. One last thing I'll say real quick. 
I listened to a call by Dr. Boyce Watkins, and he said he talked to a millionaire who said, we follow the 17, 18, 16-year-old black male, and that's how we know where to go get our money. Whatever he does, that's where we get our money. You look at something as crazy right now as these Crocs, these shoes these young people are wearing. This wasn't even popular a few years ago. These kids hated this stuff. Now this is a million-dollar industry. So they follow us to know how to get great. And we just need to own everything that we do because they're making too much money off of us and we're not making enough off ourselves. Let me ask a question, Guanica. And it, it purely is really just a question for the group. Why is it that African-Americans, black people of color feel value in moving as monolithic as one group. And here's what I mean by that. When I look at us, the only thing right now without knowing you all that potentially could join us together is how we look. But if we talk longer, we might find that there's a lot of things that might join us. Maybe HBC, HBCUs, there, there's other things. So my question is around branding, I I think there's so much more to, and I hear what Sinclair is saying about race being more than just an, having an academic side to it. But I think there's almost danger in limiting our ability to move in a certain direction by limiting us only to how we look. Yeah, but I'm, I don't think we choose that. I don't think we, nobody, nobody wants to be racially profiled. So I'm clear that we, we don't, especially as, as human beings, black people have always been hospitable. Like we invite everybody, you go to Africa now, they treat strangers super, there's some cultures that you can't even marry somebody within your own tribe. You gotta marry somebody outside so the gene pool is properly mixed. So literally we invite folks, but there's been people either through climate or where they are that come from scarcity and literally kill folks. They literally have a mindset where probably four months out of the year, the nature was like killing them. As opposed to us who come from abundance, we're literally, what is greed when everybody has a mango? When you start talking about the individual, I think that's clear. We both could be plumbers and no matter what we look like, but we got to be clear, black plumbers probably do get, unfortunately, not because we want it to be, get treated different than white plumbers. So again, until we look at the chessboard and say, like, how do I leverage as many people who have a common interest as me to try to move ourselves forward? I think that's where you get the economies of scale and you, you get that, that ability to leverage the brains in the room. Now, you're, I think you're right. All black folks don't think alike. All people don't think alike. But if you're literally interested in protecting people of African descent, I think it's a, a noble enough issue because there's people trying to make sure that fat people get help. There's people, they got even got pet psychiatrists to help dogs who are confused. But we're literally not addressing something that's literally being done and has been done. Healthcare disparities is real. It's not just a question of are you going to get the vaccine or not. Black people are being murdered by a racist healthcare system. Those guys that took over the Capitol, don't scare me. I, I, I'm concealing care. I, I, I got just as much action for them as they got for me. But now the doctor, the educator, the law enforcement person, these are systems that we're so obedient to. So they can take advantage of that obedience. The doctor say, this is what's, your wrong, what's wrong with you. We say, okay, doctor, 
Well, what if that doctor's a white supremacist? What if that doctor is not white but believes in white supremacy and you bring yourself in there in your individuality? They, they have a systematic way of dealing with us. And if we're going to actually counter that system, we have to think in systems. And again, I'm not trying to say this is an engineering problem, but it's not because a one individual doesn't like me. What did uh, Kwame Toure If you don't like me, that's your problem. But if you have the power to take that not liking me and hurt me and mine, now that's my problem. How do I undo that? And I'm just saying race is a lie. I, I, I'm not even saying, but the racism that has built the wealth of, of a group of, of a minority. I said, we're 1.5 billion. The people of European descent are really like 600 million people in the total world. So again, I'm just saying, just trying to manage those systems, we have to be clear that white supremacy is in healthcare. If we get sick, somebody just might deny a service. And it's not they do something like the Tuskegee. You know, I went to Tuskegee. They didn't give people syphilis. They just didn't treat them. So you, if you're a white woman and you got comorbidities in Louisiana, you eat fat back and chickens. When you go to the doctor, the doctor might make sure that this white woman is given some extra help, just in case, so she doesn't die of COVID. So when the black person comes in with the same comorbidities, he's just an individual. He's not going to get offered that. So the doctor can't say he killed them. But they didn't offer the same services as they would have they, that they do to people of so-called European descent. We have to Excuse me, Sinclair. I apologize. Sinclair, can I ask you a question? You're good. No, you're good because what, what I see in you is the energy that's in me because it makes me angry. But how much and how, how long are we going to continue to keep propping white supremacy up there? When are we going to say, no, this is not going to work? You and know, more importantly. Um, and with that, Marcus, too, I don't disagree with a lot of your what you're saying, Sinclair. I'm sure you've done the research to 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 have the opinion and probably factual. I don't disagree with that. But to use your example, if I go into the healthcare system and maybe the care I get, it I don't I have not seen it being determined by my race. What I have seen it being determined by is my economic status, whether I can pay or not. Now. You can make the argument that your economic status can come from race. You no, probably no, can make that no, argument. Williams, I don't have to go to the Yeah, yeah. Um, almost died. She's but wait, no, 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 no. You guys didn't let me finish. You guys yeah, didn't let me Go ahead, Marcus. Me go ahead. My point is we are in a situation we in because we do not value education and, and educating ourselves into this system. They can only have supremacy over us because we do not know. Once we know and, and learn the rules, then they're going to have to change the game again. So what I see is too many of us, and this is why we need these forms where I'm talking to an Allen and a, and, a, and a Sinclair and a Glenn and a JT, because I feel everything you're saying on all different levels, but who can I really talk to without somebody telling me, why are you so angry? You know, why do you have so much animosity? It's because you try to keep me out of the system. Uh, OJ proved to me, man, if you have money, you can get away with anything. Or you can vote people like Alan Ellison in that will understand yeah, your yeah. causes, not because of just because of how he looks, but perhaps his background might be similar. But Alan has how Alan has to play by rules. See, so back to what Sinclair was saying about the supremacy part of it, we have to get in the government and maybe try to introduce new new ideas or whatever. We got to get these congressmen people out of here. Alan, I want to pose this question to you. 
how how can you make a change in a system that you have to play by a certain rule? Like how can you how can you tell me to vote for you and have me think that you actually going to make a difference? Well, that that's a very interesting question. One one is change doesn't come easy and it doesn't come quick and the government doesn't move quickly. It was designed to be moving slow with deliberate speed. But the real problem is, is how do we get more Allens into positions of influence where we can outnumber those and not be, you know, because when you take things to a vote, you have to have 51 percent. Mm-hmm. Right now, there are only there in 234 years, there have only been 11 U.S. black senators. And I'm looking to be number 12 next year. So okay, um, in Florida, just just the other day, um, I don't know if you all know that Florida just um, voted for 70 percent of the Floridians voted for Florida to increase their minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour by twenty twenty six. But just this week, we had a a Republican uh, state senator that has placed a bill on the floor in a Republican majority legislature that's saying that um, felons won't be able to take part in the minimum wage increase protections. Now, out of the felons that exist in Florida, there's 1.4 million of them and 46% of them are African-American men. So that means that if this bill becomes the law, uh, 46% of 1.4 million African-American men will not be able to have a job that pays minimum wage and they get the minimum wage, they would have to get less than. So in order to change like something like that, we have to encourage one another to run for more offices. We have to encourage more young black males to uh, become lawyers so they can become judges. We have to encourage more uh, black men and black women to become doctors because everything that I hear that you all are saying is all true and all factual. The same, like what they were doing in D.C., my wife's a physician. I know that in the hospitals, they let uh, African-Americans go without services because in their mind, they think that we we can uh, tolerate pain more than anybody else. When really we're suffering in silence because we don't have the adequate uh, representation. So we have to vote for more Allens. So whenever I see any African-American that is... um, interested in going into office and they ask me what do i think i say do it because that's the only way we're going to change this uh unless we start working with those that are somewhat like-minded and use the power of who we are to influence them uh the other thing i wanted to talk about was it's not so much that we have to rebrand ourselves as much as is we need to get to know who we are and we need to rechange like our value system because in america we get caught up um defining our value and defining our worth based on things and based on other people and i think w uh eb the bois was talking about that's called the double consciousness and it's how we see each other we are the only people in the world that view ourselves through white people's eyes and i say if white people see us in a negative light then how do we see ourselves most of us are walking around very uh, broken because of the oppression of all of these hundreds of years of, of oppression. And that makes us want to go out and buy things and spend things. And that makes that's the reason why we're the largest spenders in the world. Our spending power is equivalent to the world's third largest economy. 
and and the, and the sad thing is is that they have a, a list of all the things that we spend our money on and books and education is at the very uh, least in 2019 i was in africa and i got a chance to speak to a king about this about the state of our people and i talked about we're the only people in the world that came to america against our will and when we got here uh they were we were beaten to the point where we lost our culture we lost our identity we lost our language we lost our lineage we talk about we come from kings but most of not everybody came from a king but at least having the knowledge of where you come from gives you some identity of who you are and we have to get to the point where we begin to truly understand who we are and when i begin to talk to the king about this it was just like what you would see in a movie where I'm in the palace and there's a king on a throne and every other of his ministers are literally sitting at a lower position because his head has to be at the top. And then all of the, the, the citizens are sitting around inside of the palace. And I'm speaking to him about this and how we need to work together as uh, the United States and members of, of Congress with this particular nation to do trade, to help stimulate growth and, and create really a new standard for us as humans and as people in this country to get back to where we came from. And that is a prideful people that truly understand who we are. Because if you don't understand who you are, exactly. then trying to rebrand yourself is really about just creating an image for someone else to see. And, and the thing I learned about branding by being a branding professional is you have to build your brand based on the authenticity of who you are. Right. Because if you build that brand based on something that's not legit, it's not sustainable. And what ends up happening is you're going to end up having to rebrand all over again because it wasn't real to start with. So um, make a long story short, I actually became a prince over in Africa. And, and, and it wasn't something that I was planning on, but they had a three-day coronation ceremony. And they gave me a lot of responsibilities to help rebrand the, the, the area. Uh, to help with trade of their uh, commodities, their iron. Uh, the country was the first producers of iron, moving the world from the Stone Age to the Iron Age and helping them with their ginger um, uh, trade uh, because these people are the world's number one producers of ginger, but they're the least to be paid and they trade it with Indians, Malaysians, the uh, Chinese and the Indonesians. While those countries make billions, these people are getting peanuts. So it, it, it's a problem that goes around the world, uh, mm -hmm. but it's also something that we can change if we work together, if we understand, like the gentleman was saying, that we really are completely different as a people. And the only thing that, that binds us together is everyone else's perception. We are not all the same. We have different religions. We have different social economic statuses. We have different perspectives. Some of us are producers, some of consumers, some of us are looking to impact social change and some of us are just looking to know what someone else's business is mm -hmm. but the thing is is that we all have value but we need to understand that our value comes from within and it has absolutely nothing to do with what someone else say it is or what things we have because those things will usually break and if our value proposition is tied to those things then what happens to our value and if our value is tied to what someone else thinks, then when they stop thinking of us in the right light, then what happens to our value proposition? So it's really not about branding. It's really about uh, introspectively 
uh, building ourselves up from, from the inside and understanding what we bring to the table and setting our own standard about who we are and working with one another to basically uh, uh, lift one another up. And that's what that's a problem that we have in our culture is that we don't do enough of lifting one another up. Uh, I created the program. Well, we, we don't talk to each other. We got to talk to each other. We, we hate each other. Well, gotta talk. Talk. this is the segue back to the education markets. That's why I disagree with this education talk. I think, and Marcus, I do it out there like that, you know, to make it a little provocative, maybe good for TV. After after we were enslaved and we were set free by by resisting and fighting and aiding a civil war against white supremacists, from 1865 to 1875, our people didn't know who they were. They had no money. They had no jobs. They couldn't read because it was illegal. What we did in those that decade was phenomenal. So when people tell uh, tell me the reason why we're dealing with what we're dealing with is because we don't know who we are or we don't have any education, dying of money. If you look, there's no people have who've who've gone from one condition to the other like we have in like less than ten years. Amazing. These Europeans know that we're amazing. Even if you look at the civil rights. What we did in that short period of time when they denied, like, we can even vote and we still influence policy. So literally what we've done is not, not based on education. Most of these so-called billionaires drop out of college. So if it was about Stanford or Harvard, you'd have to get a degree there. But no, the, oh. we're, dealing with white, we're dealing with white supremacy. I literally just experienced in Washington, D.C., where they just had 15,000 uh, uh, National Guard, the NSA, FBI, ATF, DEA. And guess what? Young black boys were still able to go and kill other black boys a, a mile outside of the Capitol. Now, if we really think the hell that we're experiencing is because of our lack of education, or lack of our knowing ourselves. We don't understand the enemy we're dealing with. This man is killing us. There's no way where an uneducated young boy can access a legal firearm a mile from the Capitol during the a, a lockdown of the COVID, as well as 15,000 and all these alphabet boys, and commit a crime with a gun and get away with it. We had almost 12,000 hom I mean, 12 homicides in like a week, two week period around the inauguration. This so wait, let, let me build on that comment about education. It's the type of education you're getting and knowing that the type of education you're getting is not helping you. Um, I agree with every, everything you're saying. Um, my thing is, um, and this is why I asked um, Alan that question, how, how can you justify running for Congress if you're not talking about, you know, the, what happened to our 40 acres in the mule? The 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 um the bank the uh, black bank that was uh you know um, dissolved all that money that those uh, civil war veterans invested in that bank that was supposed to come to the ancestors. That's that's the education I'm talking about. This oh. Martin Luther King was that marked was about the Homestead Act, about the money or the lands that was supposed to be given to those that were enslaved that were freed. So. Um, this is my first time being on this type of show. I know it seemed like I'm all over the place. I agree with, with everything you're saying. This is why this is important so that we can get these things out and organize what we need to say so that when we do bring it to the table, it's not, you know, all over the place. Well, I mean, well, the truth is it's really, and I agree with you, Marcus, there. How do we make this, this, this podcast be solution-based, right? Because at the end of the day, what Sinclair is saying is, there's racism that's insidious 
in different structures, different pieces of our of our of our life, right? I don't disagree with that, Sinclair. I don't. And what I understand is there's solutions. And I, I'm I'm actually writing about this right now. There's basically four tenets to it. There's education, that's not the whole, that's a part. There's legislation, it's not the whole, it's a part. There's economics, not the whole, it's a part. And then there's media. I think you can't just attack one and think that everything's gonna be fixed because you attack one piece of that. What's gonna happen is I think how we can make this a solution podcast is how can each one of us play a role in one of those tenants? What can we do? Mm-hmm. And so I know for me, for media, one of the things that I'm doing is rebranding, if you will, telling stories about people that are just like me and you, not black stories, stories. And oh, by the way, yes, the lead happens to be a person of color, it happened to be black. Because mm-hmm. if you see my my lead as a black person, you're already marginalizing me. You're already saying yeah, that yeah. this is not for mainstream and mainstream. No, I'm no different than you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, one solution that I can walk away with, how can we change the branding? Because um, I don't disagree with what Sinclair is saying. But what I do, what I have decided is I'm not going to stand for it. I'm going to make it, some changes. That's real. That's real is right it, there. That's real. Yeah. So do we want to change this idea of rebranding and call it something else? Because from this conversation, it seems as if um, the term, the term doesn't fit. I, I want to take into account everything Sinclair was saying. We, we cannot forget what, we have gone through and like he said what how creative we are and and still are um but we're not branding ourselves we don't want to be branded like glenn said i'm more than just oh look at that black guy that can dunk or that black guy that can catch touchdowns i'm a father i'm a husband well Marcus, i'm thinking more or less of our thinking rebranding our thinking that's yeah this this is this is this is it. I mean, it's the way we, we have these forums and we talk. And as we talk, we spread, we talk to other people. Um, I, think, I think it even goes to the point you said, Mark, about propaganda or not. I, th- I think, and, and let me just say this to Alan. I'm glad, you, look, you're very political savvy. Because I would go ask you, you know, look, Mark is asking you a heavy question. Which is like, and I apologize, Alan, seriously. This is my first yeah, time. You did the, bro, you did the whole move and it was smooth. Like, the whole thing was connected. Coherent, you brought in Africa the prince. Bro. Yes, 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 Alan. Bro. Yes. You I, bro, I gotta cut the check, first of all. <laughs> I'm cutting the check. Yes. Period. Because that was all and, and but Marcus, I would only say the even when we I was talking about even if we get educated, there's a lot of what I've experienced as a Gen Xer, all my peers did everything they were told to do, and they all ended up being used and abused by the system. The education system is a, is a, even white folks don't even go to school and still successful. They even have real empirical data that says if a white boy drop out of school and a black boy go to college, they literally don't make the same. So I'm not, again, but I'm not saying don't read. No, no, no. When I say education. The point is, but if you have a government system that has uh trillions of dollars that is literally arming uneducated black people to kill other uneducated black people and then using the media going to brother glenn and saying that they're animals 
I've been all over the world. The most peaceful people I've ever met were poor and definitely black people. Like literally like folks who are like easy going. They live, want to have a cold drink, watch a soccer game, chill out with their old lady. That's going to be their wife. And, and so my point is to create the image of the, the arch villain black young child, young black babies are so fun and amazing. Somebody has to spend a lot of time to make us think that my brother has been on, on, on cocaine for, he's, he's two years older than me. He's been in and out of prison for 30 years. We're getting him clean. But he doesn't even know what a coca plant looks like. I saw a coca plant last year in Peru. There's no way that Jojo and Ray Ray, who can't read, who don't have a bank account, could actually have gotten crack cocaine in my neighborhood where no one had a visa. Now, mm -hmm. I, I, we can do all the educating we want. We can do all the self-love. If we don't have the courage to admit that this government, the United States of government, is systematically, if Obama's president, if Bush is president, if Trump is president, is killing us. So that's the part that's hard, especially when you educate it, because it means well, no, no, no. You're educating me. Us. You're educating me and what you're saying. That's what I mean about education. Like when we like, for instance, the school system is a joke. I work in computers and I have a degree and it doesn't matter because you need certs. So that's what I mean about education that, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to college to make money. That's what I mean, like re-educating and not going through. So you're, we're saying the same thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That, that's all yeah. I mean. I, I don't. Yeah. I, yeah. Go, go ahead, Professor. I well, I just wanted to say too. I think you're right on track. Where we have to make sure we're learning inside and outside the classroom. Yeah. And I had posted something yesterday that said, as Black people, we need to stop trying to be rich and popular, and be wealthy and significant. Yeah. Because what we're doing is we're giving away everything that we are learning and not cultivating it and capturing it for ourselves. Yeah. I worked at a community college in Indianapolis. They said, I need you to start a black male class. First year seminar course. Now, they'll keep running that class because I gave them all the ideas. But what did I do? I said, I'm going to get my doctorate write this up in my dissertation so now what i created is published because now i'm owner of that so when we come to rebranding and doc you're talking right about it you're right on this could be a different type of format as far as retooling our minds because we're so used to we got to go get money go get money because all these rappers have told us but now why don't we go get knowledge why don't we learn how to get involved in Bitcoin? If we put a hundred dollars in in 2010, it'd be over 19 million right now. You know, things like that. So we just have to really get out there and teach ourselves different things, but not be so selfish that we don't go back and teach ourselves different things because black people too many times do not teach each other what we need to learn so we can make it while other cultures do. Yeah. Well, and why that might be is where a change needs to happen is, is where we're teaching value lies. See, if we think that if we're teaching our people that value lies in what I can obtain materialistically, then everything that I do after that is going to be to get that thing. If we teach people that education is only what, what you said, education is only inside a classroom and maybe education really what we should be saying is, and I'm educated, I have two degrees. What I should be saying is, Education is really you gathering knowledge, and there's lots of different ways to gather that knowledge. Most important thing you need to be is educated about your endeavors in the game. Well, I, I mean, I, I think right now, literally over 
4,000 people are dying in America every day. Mm -hmm. I, I challenge folks, how many degrees does it take not to get COVID? How much money does it, do you need to have to not die of COVID? Once we realize all the money and all the education in the world, we have to protect ourselves. So, so my premise is, is more than just being black. But we need black people and, and people who want to be black friendly to value protecting black lives. Because for 500 years, white supremacist ideology has made us the focus in destroying us, killing us. So yeah. for me, I'm just saying it's literally to go beyond education, beyond money. We have to now say, and, and for us, what I love black people, we have eight categories. The original Green Book focused on eating and a place to stay in transportation. We're focused on eight categories, healthcare, uh, uh, legal, finance, education slash childcare, beauty, uh, uh, eat, sleep, and transportation. And the focus is not just being black, but literally protecting us. So in healthcare, how do we make sure that we've identified healthcare providers that are not going to deny you service or try to experiment with, with some, some unproven things on you? How are you going to make sure that we have people advocate? I'm just saying that's one vertical. The same thing we could go down the line, law enforcement, education. We need to make sure it doesn't take 12 years to educate what people are doing from elementary school to kindergarten, I mean, to, to, to high school. We see if you homeschool, you literally can have kids go to college by the time they're 14 because literally it doesn't take that. I, I've been in Zimbabwe. They, have, they don't even have any money, but they have the highest literacy in all of Africa why? Because they have a program that works. The program we have in America works. It never was meant to educate us. So we keep, and it's hard when you're educated, especially to say that this is a lie. It's hard to invest in so much money and do everything and say, you know what? These folks lied to me. Because then now you got to like, you can't be in Jack and Jill no more. You can't be a part of the crew anymore because now you sound crazy. And then they're going to put a tinfoil kufi on you. And they say, look, he's a troublemaker. So I'm just telling you, this thing has been a lie. We did everything they told us to do. And they, it was a trap. Now, now saying that sounds crazy because it, it's easier to talk about incrementalism and just tinker. No, no. These people are killing us. We just need to admit that. And now we need to, that doesn't mean we don't vote. Of course you vote. But I'm just saying there's no real political system because this system is not broken. It's, it's working exactly consistently. Now, what we have to do is not ask the man to stop lying. It's just to stop believing the lie, just like a relationship. So, so Sinclair, let me ask you this question. What happens when that same person you, you're referring to that's killing people come to you and say, look, man, I want to change? You know? I I'm saying, what, what, how do we guide this guy? How do, how, you know, like, I, I live this lifestyle, man. I've been... It's been going on. I've been three, five, such and such street, whatever. How, how are we going to educate this brother? It's, it's easy. It's, 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 that's what I'm saying. We're making this thing hard. Once we admit that this system is, is working and it's doing what it wants to us, I just, just described reconstruction, which is really not as far away as we, we think it is. Literally, we're uneducated, had no money. We didn't go around stabbing and killing other black folks. Somebody has to actively... There's no way you can have the Crips and Bloods in, in L.A., and they never once was killing white folks in Beverly Hills. It, just, it has to be the FBI. There's no, anytime young black men have guns, like the Black Panthers, they just, yes. they actually destroyed it. So it, they have to be agents. It's just like if you go to a developing country. The reason why those folks have AK-47 is because guns and bullets are expensive. When you poor Arab or poor black person in Africa, somebody has to be providing you those expensive bullets. So, so right. Listen, listen. But, we, but I, Marcus, we, that's the reality. We accept it. How are we going to work around that? 
Well, here's what I would say, Marcus, and I don't disagree with what, what Sinclair's saying. I think one solution would be, you know, is the first thing you've got to say, listen, there's a lot of different ways that you can extricate yourself from some of these, these scenarios. But one of the most important ways is you can't be free if you're not economically free right. in this country. Now, we can go back and talk about how things were in the 1800s and antebellum South and everything else. And that would not that would be true. But in this society today, in 2021, there if you are not economically free and I'm going to give it an analogy, you're limited. As an example, uh, Sinclair mentioned COVID-19. I mean, that, that's a real issue. But one of the reasons why African-Americans are disproportionately disproportionately affected is because of their lack of health insurance. And I can tell you something simple. You talk to people that are maybe have a little bit better financial status, whatever that number might be. All right, depends on where you live in the country. If they have adequate health insurance and they have a little bit more time, a little bit more income to be able to take care of themselves, to be able to eat healthier foods, because we can talk about food deserts and all the other things, but the outcome is the same. If you have economic room to grow and you're not in survival mode, you are gonna be able to experience a different level of outcome in this country. So how do we change this, Marcus? But that's not Let me it. finish though, let me finish though. And, and I don't disagree that there's reasons why people got where they are. There might be systemic reasons. There, there are systemic reasons there. I, I don't disagree with that. But I'm talking about how do I move forward? I think there's a few different ways. One is education, right? And lots of different types of education, not just traditional, right? The other piece is the economics and the other piece is the legislation. Hmm. All three of those have to work together to pull us, if we want to call us, people that look like us, out of this situation. Sometimes it's going to be voting for folks like Alan that can help really see some of the different disparities in the different communities. It might be just saying, hey, you know what? We need to educate these folks in these specific STEM fields and things like that so that we can start investing in education. And maybe we start saying, hey, you know what? Maybe becoming, and I played college football. That's how I got through college. I'm excited about it. But guess what? What would have happened if I spent more time in the engineering field? So Not go ahead. Let me ask you a quick question. You, you yep. said you played college. Where did you play? I, I played at Delaware State University. See, you one of the few. Uh, that was one of my issues with rebranding and re-educating. Why do we pump our kids and let them play football from you know young ages and then send them to Alabama? Why, why don't we send them to institutions that will give back to that's, the community? That's, that's an easy answer. That's an easy answer. Well, I can tell you, my dad played at Delaware State University. Um, I went to Delaware State. I got recruited to go to other schools, but I went to Delaware State University because I felt like I could play. When mm. I came out of school, I didn't think about all the stuff we're talking about now. I was 17, 18 years old. The only thing I wanted to do was play college football. Nobody sat me down and said, Glenn, black, struggle. And nobody did that. My mom went to Delaware State. My dad went to Delaware State. My aunts and uncles went to Delaware State. My 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 grandfather went to Miles College. His grandmother. I mean, if you heard about the little black girl, the four black girls that got killed in Alabama, that, that the pastor of that church was my great grandfather. So we go all the way back to being educated in HBCUs. And with all of that information, I chose Delaware State because that's why I fought complete football. So my point to answer your question, Marcus, is, is that I the reason why people are going to Alabama is simple because economically they feel like they can go farther. And they know what? They're not lying. If you can play in front of a hundred thousand and or you can play in front of four thousand. What are you going to do now? That doesn't say that people people every year when they leave Delaware State or Morgan or Howard, wherever, not Howard, they don't have any football players. 
But I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I mean, but wherever you go, if you're good, you're going to play. But it really is about exposure. So to bring this back, how do we change the narrative? Yes. How do we change the branding? Now kids are realizing that I can go to any school and get exposure. Exactly. That's changing the narrative. But when my dad played at Delaware State, he couldn't go to Alabama. Not really. They couldn't go. So they had to go to Morgan State. They had to go to Delaware State. They had to go to University of Maryland Eastern Shore. They had to go to Jackson State. But that's not today. So how do we move us forward? Get get to the people. Get to the young kids and say, listen, how do we make a change here? You can get what you need to get to. And, and you can also help the community by doing these things. So th- that's that's for me, Marcus. That's how it worked. Nobody said to me you should go to. HBC but but I, like what, I like what you said because at seventeen years old, you're you're not thinking about the revolution. <laughs> you're not, you know, you just playing football. Um, quick and my story. dad was a business I, owner. My dad was a business owner. Oh, see, and, and that's uh, all he told I wanted me. to play football, and it wasn't because I just liked it, and um, I got hit so hard that uh, it changed my life, and um, I didn't make it to college, but you know, I wanted to go to Penn State which is ironic because all the issues that were going on at Penn State, you know, I would have been there at that time. But um, I'm glad I didn't go into football because of CTE. Um, I suffer with epilepsy right now. Um, and I and I like talking about that. Um, that's another thing we need to do. We need to talk about, uh, you know, our, our illnesses and, and, and different ways we can uh, share information. Yes. Um, yeah, and I don't blame uh, football on my epilepsy. Um, because I I had a lot of head trauma. Uh, I grew up in D.C. Um, but these th- what I like about what we're doing right now. Um, I like Sinclair's fire, man. I see myself in you. You know, because I'm I'm I, I have that rage. But then I, I'm like Glenn. You know, because I'm like you know I want to logically think about stuff. But then I'm like Alan, because I'm like man, I want to get up there. I want to fight for my people. Right. And then Professor just he just sitting back. He just absorbing everything that's me too so you got to understand um as black males need this energy mm-hmm. so that they can learn about themselves to be themselves and like you said sinclair we we are different and we go through different things but that don't mean you're a bad person so i don't want y'all to think that you know when i was questioning i'm coming at you no man I, i'm trying to build still sharp and still mm-hmm. so do we let me ask this is our because all of us all of us on this call from what i see we all have our respective lanes so to speak that we're focusing in on and i think that's a positive thing without knowing you brothers that's just my perception that everybody has a different lane that they're in that's probably why Wanika smartly chose different areas yeah the question i have for all of us is at what point do we really and try try to inject change is it the younger folks is it the mid-age? Is it older? Where do we think we're going to get the most bang for our buck to start making the change? I think it's not, Because we know it, a five-year-old can't vote yet. No, I think right? it's not already. And can a 40-year-old change? I don't know. You said that, that we're not all the same. I think I, I, I think that was so telling and, and actually true. I think we can organize around common interests. I don't think it's an age thing. When I deal with yeah, I'm in technology. There, my co-founder is 76 years old. Okay, and he's still an engineer, and he's still dealing with like the latest and greatest. I think what what I did after dealing with a lot of attempts at other ways of changing things 
was literally make the net bigger. So literally, I globally touch people all over the world, and we have over sixty thousand members of ILoveBlackPeople.com because I because the net was so big. There's professionals in Kampala, Uganda, who are sick and tired of being marginalized. There's people in Kingston, Jamaica, who's sick and tired, and they could get the connection and commonality. Not everybody's Pan-African. Some people, oh, we're here, and I'm not, I don't know you because I don't speak that language. But there are people that no matter what you into, I mean, you got men that dress like women and they're transgender. Like this, whatever you into in this world right now, you can get get off on everything. And to me, if you're literally looking at solving a particular issue in a particular way, there's people, if you make the net big enough, that will come in even non-black people, because again, what we're doing is we say black friendly. So you, even if you're not black, if you want to protect black people from racism, you're welcome, but we're clear. We're not talking people of color. We're not talking about disenfranchised. You can be rich or poor. As long as you're black, we're dealing with the issue of race. I'm just saying, just like you're dealing with the media question and images, again, other people probably see that as a solution. And to me, it's about casting the net it's not about changing someone like at this age that we're getting well, i'm 51. But at this day i'm not trying to convince anybody i don't even debate anymore if you down i'm gonna share with you if you cool with it let's roll if not it doesn't have to be disagreeable it literally is like cool because there's about a thousand ways to do this but i think the biggest thing i would say to anybody who's serious about trying to make a change that we're living in a technology age where we have access to people in ways we never had before. I would say leverage, just like the podcast is, leverage those networks and be very clear. And it's nothing wrong with being specific. I want people who are interested in changing the image of this particular thing. My only thing I will just get a little trickier with, when you start talking about people whose agendas they're not clear with their agenda, meaning they might lie, and they're not necessarily aligned with yours, it can get tricky because when we have allies, white women, uh, so-called Latinos who identify as white, what ends up happening, you end up spending more time with internal politics than actually fixing or addressing the issue. So I'm saying I'm not tripping. If you make your thing narrow, meaning like very specific what you want to do, but then reach out to as many people who literally agree with that. And, and, and they may not agree with you 24 hours a day. All you want is them for two hours. If they agree with you two hours enough, take that energy, apply it to your problem with a fierce focus. Execute, make mistake, execute, execute, execute. So again, I'm in Silicon Valley space where they do the energy method. They call it the lean startup. You come up with a what they call most viable product, you, a thesis. You don't get into the weeds. Is this exactly right? No. Just try to try something and see what the people say when they look at it. And whatever feedback they give you, you tinker with it. You throw it back out again. I'm, I'm a, originally an engineer where in, 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 in the Ford Motor days, they would literally spend three years designing a car that the, the market didn't want. The Lean Startup says don't spend three years on nothing. Get your most, the, what they call it, minimal viable product that, that you think has the pieces in it and get feedback from the people and then iterate and ultimately you're going to get the most most vi you know viable product, but let it be an iterative method and don't be afraid of failure. Failure is a part of the process of success. 
So don't, you know, I've been bankrupt before. I used to be ashamed to say that. But the Silicon Valley, they, they be talking about they've been bankrupt five times. Let me tell you about that third one. That was the best one. So my point is, we're going to fail some, get a big enough net. We're living in a space where scaling is easier with almost no marginal cost. You can reach a lot of people. Be very clear, though. Don't play games. Say, this is exactly what I'm trying to do. If you're down, cool. If you're down for two hours, cool. Don't leave nothing on the table. Get all of it. And then keep iterating. So I think there's a bunch of ways that we can do this. I just think at this age and this experience, you know, lock into what you're going to do, know what your skill set is, and apply it to the problem and invite the relationships to come with it. That's my thing. So, so just do it pretty much, right? We should just do, do it. Big. Do it big. I, like somebody like Glenn who's doing stuff with like content, there's literally – and again, the cost of doing content in Africa and other places is so low, and but then no one's coming to them. So there's literally we have more in common, even though we're different, uh, brother Glenn. I know we're Glenn. There's so many people who agree with what you're saying and disagree with what I'm saying. I'm just saying those people don't just live in D.C. They live all over the world, and they will be the multiplier effect that gives you the capacity because you got the focus and you have the expertise. So make sure you share it. And get it out there, I think. And not convincing white people or not even convincing people who, who are black that don't agree with you. If you just get the person who was waiting to hear your message to jump on board, they're cheaper and they're less difficult to work with. Because they literally was, couldn't wait to see you. So when I talk this crazy, there's some people who are like, that's my guy. I'm cool with that. The ones who say, that dude's a little too. I like that too. Why? Because it saves me a lot of time. I don't want to. Well, I mean, it, it, make, it makes sense. You're basically saying be micro in your vision and your be micro in your vision, your focus, and be macro in your reach. Yes. Okay, you said it better than me. So that, that's why you're in communication. But I will say no, Serena <laughs> had a lot of money and almost died giving birth. I, I couldn't wait to say that. This money thing is a lie. The the way wealthy white people get treated and way wealthy black people get treated, you can't even be in the same room. I, I got a villa in the Dominican Republic. I got a farm in Zimbabwe. I'm a pilot. I own a plane. I, I literally have a Porsche outside. I get totally different than the white folks that got all those things or even half those things. And right. I tried. I really was thinking that maybe there was a level that I could get out of. And I literally have made white people millions of dollars. And they still want to treat me like a nigger. It's like, and it's not intuitive. You're literally saying, I'm not asking for a handout. I've literally helped you make millions of dollars. Why would you do, why would you do this to me? I, you're working with people with less education who don't bring you any money, and you're putting them on front street. And I've literally, and this is, again, I've seen black folks with suit and ties on, that spoke proper English. I haven't seen one movie with black folks and white folks that really wasn't a horror movie. It might start off as a comedy, might start as a romance. Listen, we're going to die in this. It's the craziest thing at the end. There's somebody getting stabbed. It's the craziest movie. And we're the villain and the victim. We never get to be either the victim where you can feel sorry because then now you got a victim mentality. And we're we're the villain, but we don't get the, 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 the booty. We don't get the, like, you know, if you're a villain, you're supposed to get the bag. We're the villain and victim in every movie. Man, I'm, I'm not. So I, I've disconnected myself from thinking that these people can be reformed, and I'm literally building a world within a world of people across borders that have the same interests and think that protecting us is the most important thing. And in those eight categories, 
we're, we don't even have to talk about money. Why? Because we're hungry. We got enough farmland. We got 300 100 hectares in Zimbabwe. We got all the food production that we need. We got all the technology we need. And if we get some more airplanes, we're going to have all the transportation we need. And Marcus Garvey has taught us that. Booker T. Washington taught us that. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that. We have enough the things that we've been successful at. And the European knows that. He knows that with all the things he's done with us, we're unstoppable. He literally made the, the Native American extinct. They tried to do everything to stop us, and we're still here. We're like Tupac. Five Sinclair, Sinclair, we're not extinct. We're here. That's what I'm saying. We're not. We're we, we, we have been integrated. They they, they indoctrinated oh, us. Uh, oh, look, bro, if you're one of them indigenous Americans, God bless you, brother. Yeah, we're, we're here. That's yeah. what I was telling Nick about that earlier. I'm a I'm a diehard uh, Skins fan, but uh, I would get in arguments with people, and I would say I'm proud to wear this because this is the only mascot that looks like me. Um, yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, the Florida Seminole is not a Seminole is not a tribe, and but look how he looks. Look how the Cleveland Indian looks. So. Um, the, the, the red, the, red, the skin's emblem and, um, looks like an indigenous person. Gentlemen. Huh? What? I'm sorry to cut you off. What? I'm so sorry. sorry. But, you know, <laughs> this is our time. And oh. Yeah. We've, we've gone over, and um, I'm thanking you guys so much. And um, please let listeners know how they can connect with you or get in touch with you, either by email, socials, or whatever. Uh, I'm starting. Tune into the show. Tune into Marcus. the show. Marcus. Oh, sorry. <laughs> how can they get in touch with you? Me? Yes. To, like, you have to follow the show with uh, Glenn, Sinclair, the professor, and Alan. That's awesome. the only way you're going to get in touch with me. Awesome. Okay. Got it. Glenn. The easiest thing to get in contact with me is uh, Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, James at YML.com. Once again, Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, James at YML.com. That's the easiest way to do it. If you search me on Facebook, it's Glenn James. If you search me on Instagram, it's Glenn James Jr. I'm pretty simple to get in contact with. I'm not hard to find. Awesome. Dr. J. I just want to say thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just fire, fire all through. And that's what these conversations need to be. And yeah. the number one answer to the question, I definitely would say change starts with us. Don't say you want others to change if you're not going to change first. So I definitely say the yeah. change starts with us. So you can always find me at the professorjt.com, at the underscore professorjt on Instagram, and John C. Turner on LinkedIn. God bless you all. Keep doing phenomenal work. We ready for part two. Part two needs to come soon. I, I think so. I think so. Sinclair. Uh, I, I really don't have much to say. I just want to say thank you, sister. And th thank these loving brothers. Like, I, you know, I, I do. I don't like debate. Like, I think it's a way. But when you're, you're talking to folks who are doing, uh, you know, things in ways that they have a you know, success in and, and have been able to achieve certain things. It is great to hear that and hear those ideas and to do it in a way where if we disagree, we don't have to be disagreeable. It, 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 you could tell that every person on here wanted to do everything not to uh, harm or disrespect yeah. the other person. 
And yeah. you know, that makes, you know, the, the humility, you know, I'm, I, so if I, again, I did, I know I got a little loud and I apologize. I yeah. really appreciate everyone uh, on this call. And if y'all ever want to go to the Dominican Republic, you got three days and three nights on me. Just reach out oh. to Nika. I'll put now y'all got to pay for your plane ticket now. Right. But again, I'm going to let that be out there for you for the next 18 months. Just give me a little notice and you right. can definitely villabethany.com would take care of you. I've been blessed. Um, the most valuable thing I've been able to uh, obtain in life has been relationships like Sister Nika. Like literally, you know, I've been bankrupt, lost everything. The only thing that got me out of that wasn't money. It literally was relationships. And I think we, we don't have to wait till we're giving eulogies to, to, to say how amazing we are or wait till homecomings to get drunk with each other. We literally, what you guys demonstrated today is we can recognize our, our amazingness and, yeah. and, and literally uh, talk about things that are relevant and important while we're right here. And I just uh, really appreciate um, Nika and, and you brothers for creating that environment where uh, one could actually share some crazy my crazy ideas I've been a little while and again I and I know that's what I'm saying I know that but you guys let me allow me to little kind of go there with that and and I in some environments I'm not comfortable like that and you guys did that and I it's not lost I'm not it's I know it wasn't because you guys didn't have different ideas you you literally you know show me a level of love and respect that I definitely appreciate and I know it's sometimes hard as we get older to find and I'm glad that we was able to find that here I uh, info at I love I love black people info at I love black people.com is is how I can be reached and and again uh, thank you all appreciate y'all no problem um, Alice Allen had to get off um, but he wants those who want to get in touch with him you can reach him at allenellison.com and guys I just thank you for the energy that you've brought to the show thank you for contributing your thoughts and for doing your part and changing the narrative and lastly for keeping your commitment by being a part of this show. That means a lot. If you've enjoyed the show, please let us know. We would love to shout you out and post your comments. If you or someone you know is interested in coming on the show, please reach out to us at ichangethenarrative at gmail.com. We'd love to share your story. Meet us here next Saturday at one o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you all for listening. Thank you guys for coming on again so much. I really appreciate you all. Have Thank a good you. one.